The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Issues of the human heart always seem to circle back to one simple question. How can I gain an advantage and make my life more comfortable, more secure? How can I make my life more successful? How can I gain those things that my heart desires? I remember many years ago I was pastoring a church in Rockville, Maryland. A businessman was a part of the congregation. He invited me to go to lunch with him. So we went to lunch, and not knowing what to expect, I just listened. And he said to me, Pastor, good preacher, but you're going to have to change what you're preaching. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, your messages are much too long. You need to preach for 15 minutes, 16 at the most. And you need to use the quotes of famous people. You need to tell some interesting stories. You cannot be so straightforward with people. We're interested in 
being successful in building the church and getting ahead. I thanked him for his input, but told him I was not going to be able to do what he had suggested, that I could not bend to the world. He was offended, but I stood my ground because I'm not willing to live my life based on what I have to do to pretend about my life in order to be successful. I'm not going to bend with the wind. I'm going to stand and ask you to stand stalwart with me against the evil of this day. And we see every evil thing rushing in today in America. That which is evil is called good, and that which is good is cast down as evil. Every perversion is promoted. Our media is filled with lies, with darkness. Our politicians have been bought and sold. They bend with the wind. I'm very concerned about the lies coming out of the economic world, the crash that's soon to take place because they have inflated our currency and borrowed so much money, it's impossible to ever pay it back. The whole economy is a a basket of lies. I'm troubled by all of this, but I'm much more troubled by by the way the church has bent to the wind and not stood against the wickedness and the darkness of our day. Now, you're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel, and we do have a change today in our plans. We're not going to hold an hour of prayer today. I'm going to share instead with you from John Bunyan's writing in Pilgrim's Progress and from the scriptures. Why? Because all this past week and including today, our radio station, Wava FM, I'm sorry, Wava AM, has basically been off the air. They're on very low power, and so very few of our listeners are able to reach us via the radio. See, we are both on the Internet live, and you can go to the Internet live at nationalprayerchapel.com or look up Ray Greenley, Pastor Ray Greenley, YouTube, and you'll find our channel, and you can listen there. Or you can dial on the radio into um, into Weva AM, and there they have a live stream that you can listen to. But many cannot hear me today or all week, and so the result has been a very difficult time financially. We're in the last week coming up of of the month of July. But if people can't hear us, they are not going to send contributions. So please just pray with me about that. Stand by faith with me. I believe Jesus has the answer. I'm very disappointed that the transmitter for Weva has gone down again and cost us a whole week of airtime. But I... I trust those things in Jesus' hands. He's the one who rules over the air, not the devil. So today, we are not going to do an hour of prayer. Instead, I'm going to share with you some things that, to me, are of great import. I want to propose a question to you as we begin the broadcast today. By the way, we are up on the Internet Live And you can go to the top chat and share your thoughts as I share my thoughts with you as I give 
what the Lord has given me to share with you. Now, there's a a question that I'd like to propose that Bunyan proposes in his book, Pilgrim's Progress, by a man by the name of Mr. By-Ends. And the question is this. Suppose a pastor or a, a tradesman should have an opportunity to get a blessing and improve his financial situation in life by becoming very zealous about some point of his faith in Christ. Let's suppose that a religious point is something about which he has no particular interest, but by appearing to be interested, he can gain an advantage, either financial or otherwise. So the question that Bunyan puts to us is this. Can a person pretend to be interested in some point of the Christian faith and yet remain an upstanding and honest person? Now, the man by the name of Moneylove notes, I see what your question is getting at, and And with these gentlemen's permission, I'll endeavor to give you an answer. First, I will speak to your question as it concerns a pastor. Suppose a pastor, a worthy man, but someone with a a very small income, has a desire to increase in wealth and influence. Suppose that he sees a business opportunity for achieving this goal and becoming more successful. And so, even if he wants just his church to grow so that he has a larger salary, so he begins to be more studious, he begins to preach more frequently and with more excitement. He begins to modify some of his principles to fit in with the the preferences and the temperament of his congregation. This man said, I see no reason why he cannot do this and a lot more if needed while still remaining an honest man. There's no reason why he can't go into business and be a pastor at the same time. And here's the reason why. First, his desire of a greater income is lawful since it is set before him by province, he should take advantage of the opportunity without questioning his conscience. Two, his desire for more income makes him more studious, more zealous, more faithful in his work. This makes him a better man. Yes, it makes him a better person in all aspects of his life which is also in accord with the will of God. Now, as to his modifying his views and principles to make himself more acceptable to his people, this says three good things about the man. It shows that he is of a self-denying temperament. He is of a sweet and, and winning disposition, and thus he is more fit for ministerial duties. And finally, a minister who exchanges a small thing for a great thing should not be judged as coveting. Rather, since his decision results in self-improvement, he should be commended as one who pursues his call, and the opportunity should be seen as something that will help him do much more good. And now to the second part of the question, which concerns the tradesman. Suppose this man is in a trade that makes him very little money, but by becoming religious, he can improve his income, perhaps even marry a rich wife, and get better customers for his shop. For my part, I see no reason why this may not be lawfully done, and for these reasons. First, to become religious is a virtue, by whatever means it happens. Two, It's not unlawful for a man to marry a rich wife 
or to encourage a better class of customers to come to his shop. 3. Besides, the man who gets these by becoming religious gets something that is good from those who are who are already good by becoming good himself. He gets a good wife, he gets good customers, he gets a good income, and all by becoming religious, which is good. Therefore, to become religious to get all these things is a good and profitable plan. I remember a number of years ago, a couple became involved in a network marketing company, and they expected to become very wealthy. We had often spoken with them about the National Prayer Chapel, and we had invited them to come. And when we, when we invited them, they asked, how large is the congregation? And we told them at that point it was about 100 people. And they said, oh, pastor, we can't come. I said, why? Well, because the church is our place where we do our network marketing, and we have found a congregation. The pastor is not preaching nearly as well as you do, and the congregation is rather dead. But we are finding there many prospects for our business. And so we're going to attend that church and take our children to that church because we can find people there that we can include in our business and we'll prosper. And And after we've prospered, we'll donate to the National Prayer Chapel. We'll help you with your radio costs and we'll help you with other aspects of of the work. And I said, no, thank you. You're not going to the church for Jesus you're going there for money and for social connections that you hope to translate into financial gain. And then you want to help the work of God. No, thank you. We're not interested in that kind of money. Well, they were quite offended by that answer. And we quickly lost all track of them. And I have no idea whatever became of them. We never contacted them again because their hearts were not right with Jesus, and they were refusing to set them right with Jesus. So Bunyan goes on, Mr. Money Love's answer to Mr. Bayan's question was highly applauded by a number. They all concluded that with such a wholesome and advantageous answer that no one would be able to contradict it. And since Christian and Hope were hopeful were still within calling distance, they all agreed to pose these questions and answers to them, since they thought that both of them had been rude in their previous answers. So they called after Christian and Hopeful, who stopped and waited for them to approach. So the three men drew near, drew near, And Mr. Hold the World proposed the question to Christian and Hopeful and asked them to answer it if they could. Then said Christian, Even a babe in religion could answer 10,000 such questions, for it is unlawful to follow Christ for the loaves, as it says in John 6. How much more abominable is it to make him and religion into a self-serving device for getting and enjoying the world? Only heathens, hypocrites, and devils, and witches are of your opinion. The heathens, Hamor and Shechem, coveted the daughters and cattle of Jacob, and when they saw that there was no way to get them but by becoming circumcised, they said to the companions, If every male of us be circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their cattle and their property and every beast of theirs be ours? Jacob's daughters and cattle were what the heathen wanted, and they used Jacob's religion as a guise to try to get them. 
You can read the whole story in Genesis 34. The hypocritical, the hypocritical Pharisees were also of this religion. Long prayers were their pretense, but their intent was to gain the houses and property of widows, and their judgment was greater damnation from God. Judas the devil was also in this religion, and he would rather have had the possessions of the money bag than Christ himself. He was lost, cast away. He became the very son of perdition. Simon the witch, he was also of this religion. He wanted the Holy Ghost for the purpose of his own personal financial gain. And you can read in Acts the response of the apostles to his religion. It will also occur to me that the man who takes up religion for the world will just as easily throw away religion for the world. For just as Judas desired the world, so did he also sell religion. And he sold his master for 30 pieces of silver. The answer of this question, as you have answered it, is evil. You will be rewarded according to your works. Then they stood staring at one another, unable to answer Christian. Hopeful also approved of the soundness of Christian's answer. So there was a great silence among them. So Christian and Hopeful continued their journey. But Mr. Byans and his company stayed behind. They were stunned by Christian's rebuke. They could not understand how any thoughtful person could possibly suggest that it would be wrong to use any means possible to get ahead in this life. Then Christian said to Hopeful, If these men cannot stand before the sentences of men, what will they do before the sentence of God? If they are mute when dealt with by the vessels of clay, what will they do when they are rebuked by the flames of the devouring fire? I've been sharing with you from John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. This is a very real issue. Why are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you followed Jesus Christ because you enjoy the social life? Have you followed Jesus Christ because you can get ahead financially? Do you follow Jesus Christ because you want his blessing in your life? Or do you follow Jesus Christ because you've taken up your cross and you follow him? And he is your Lord and your Savior, and you will not compromise. Now, many of you have found that you are able to be a part of church. You're able to have the blessing of the rituals of the church. Jonathan Edwards had to deal with that. His grandfather had decided that he would change the membership rules for his church. And he brought into the church what Bunyan called the half-converted. The half-converted were those who were comfortable at the party. They were comfortable pursuing the lifestyle of the world. They were comfortable getting ahead in life. And so they were offered the baptism 
the burial, the performing of weddings. They enjoyed the social life of the church. When John Bunyan, I'm sorry, when Jonathan Edwards took over his grandpa's church, he was appalled by the half-converted. And he didn't know how to break through this. And so he began spending long hours in his study. And this made many of the leading people of his congregation quite upset with him. Because they would have a party, they would have a social gathering in their home, and they expected their pastor to attend that social gathering and grace it with his with his blessing on their food and his blessing on their wonderful party. And Jonathan Edwards wanted nothing to do with that. He was vitally concerned with their salvation, with the condition of their souls. He was vitally concerned with whether they were half converted or fully given over to Jesus Christ. And so 18 hours a day he would spend in his study praying and weeping, crying out to God for his church and for the church that was, that was in many other places as well. And he saw the eroding of the vitality of the holiness of the church. And so he read the word and he prayed and he cried out to God for Holy Spirit anointing. The result of all of that time in the prayer closet was he wrote that famous or infamous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. If you have not recently read it, I encourage you to do so. Jonathan Edwards, it was said, was not a good preacher. He read from a manuscript in a a dry monotone. He was not the excellent preacher that George Whitfield was or or John Wesley in later years. But he he was given the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He preached in his church sinners in the hands of an angry God, and it was oh hum. There was virtually no response. The church was basically at war with their pastor. A neighboring church heard about the sermon, and they invited Jonathan Edwards to come and preach sinners in the hands of an angry God in their congregation. Now, they all considered themselves to be good Christians. Jonathan Edwards stood before them and began to slowly and methodically read his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And the Holy Spirit came in such power that men and women began screaming in terror because they felt at any moment they were going to drop into the pit, into the fire of hell. Men grabbed a hold of solid things like the pillars in the church because they felt like the ground under their feet was beginning to tilt and slant and that they were going to fall into hell. This really was the beginning of the Great Awakening as that congregation and then as it spread from that church to many others, a great conviction of sin began to fall upon those who even called themselves Christians. And great changes began to occur in their life. Meanwhile, back at his grandpa's church, some of the teenagers got into some sexual sin. And as was his custom on Sunday morning during the worship service, he called the young people forward who had violated the rules of their church. And he reprimanded them publicly and demanded that they repent. 
Well, some of those involved in that, pardon me, their parents were very wealthy people and contributed large amounts to the church. And they were very angered by what Jonathan Edwards had done with their children. And they demanded that Jonathan Edwards be fired. And he was promptly fired. He lost his position. Now, what should he do? Well, he took up a position tutoring native Indian children. And with those native Indian children, he taught them English and writing by reading the Bible. He taught them the scriptures. He was not there very long before Princeton University, just really a new university that was established to train workers for the gospel of Jesus Christ, called Jonathan Edwards to become the president of what was to later become a most prestigious university. And it was there that Jonathan Edwards passed. He was a man who would not bend to the wind of the day. He stood by his principles. He stood by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to John, 1 John, the third chapter, he did not love the world or the things of the world. He turned aside from the world. Now, this is an almost impossible task that I'm speaking of today because, in truth, the American church, you and me, have become accustomed to such compromise that it doesn't seem like compromise. So the modern church is able to bring into their sanctuary concerts. And they're even able to charge a price for that concert. And so you have to buy tickets in advance, turning the church into a music hall. And many other similar things are done in the church today, while great fanfare is made of decorating the church for Christmas or of keeping the church calendar, going through the rituals of the church calendar, going through the rituals of the Eucharist every Sunday or quarterly, depending on your church denomination. No word of rebuke is spoken for the membership lusting after the video games or the television or the YouTube videos or spending great amounts of time and money on hobbies. That's not spoken of in the church today. That's considered to be legalism. And so there is a great emptiness of true piety in our lives today. And frankly, as I have cried out and spent many hours with the Lord over these issues, he's told me to do certain things, and I'll share with you some of those things, and they're not legalism. I have cut them off because they are not profitable to me in my walk with Jesus Christ. I had a great love for novels, historical novels, just good stories. I've had to cut those off. And I don't read novels today. I had a great interest in in the television. And frankly, it was my drug of choice. So I would preach many years ago and then come home after a full day of ministry and sit down and 
watch television for a number of hours, and finally tumble into bed late. I've cut the television off. The Lord said, turn it off, Ray. So I've removed it from my home. I don't have a television in my home. He also instructed me to to turn off the movies. Now, once in a while, like the new film series, The Chosen, the Lord has said, yes, watch that. But by and large, I don't watch movies or go to movies. Why? Because they interfere with my with my heart, with my devotion to Jesus. My dad, I questioned him many years ago. I said, Daddy, why do you not let us go to the movies? I said, a movie theater is just a a room with seats. There's nothing evil going on in that movie theater. Why do you not let us go to the theater? There are some very good movies out. I'll never forget his answer. And it has stayed with me. It is a principle that I'll share with you. He said, Raymond, when you have a beautiful table set with the most delicious food, would you push away from that table and go to the garbage can and there begin to dig in the garbage can, hoping that you could find something that you could eat? He said, the movies are the garbage can. Now, yes, you may find a morsel of food in a garbage can that you will enjoy eating, but it still came from the garbage can. Why not sit down at the table of the Lord like King David did in Psalm 23 and enjoy eating the finest of food and drinking the finest of wine? Why not enjoy the feast that the Lord has prepared for you, eating his body and drinking his blood? Well, I didn't like that answer when I was a child, but it made sense to me. And then he said one more thing that clinched it for me. He said, Raymond, when you go into places of darkness, the angels of God don't go with you. You're there on your own. And you are fully open for every demonic attack that Satan would like to bring against your mind and your heart. And he said, I won't risk that. Well, I won't risk that either. I also found that I had to turn the radio off in my car. Now, that was very hard for me because I was a news junkie. And I no longer spend hours every day watching the news or listening to the radio, or looking at YouTube videos. I just, I can't do it because it sears my heart and my mind so that I cannot perceive the grace of Jesus Christ. You see, you you cannot have the world and Jesus. I also don't go to parties. I'm not interested in in people getting drunk and raising their voices and being boisterous. Party time. No, thank you. My party is with the Holy Spirit and with those people who have chosen to give themselves over to the Holy Spirit. I love the sweet fellowship of Christian people who are sober, who are mindful of the heavenly things, who converse about heaven, who converse about those things that cause me to grow in my Christian experience and in my life. 
I, for the most part, will not engage with people in casual conversation. Yes, sometimes it's necessary. But that's not where my interest lies. My interest is in the things of heaven. That's where I'm going. That's my destination. It's, it's where I want to be. I want to be with Jesus. So, I don't go to the dance. I don't go to the world. I don't go to the flesh. I don't go to the devil. I don't watch the Harry Potter, Potter movies. I don't... I'm not interested. Do you understand? I don't watch the TikTok videos. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. And if you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram, I would encourage you to get off. It's a time waster. Oh, but pastor, I'm, I'm able to stay in touch with so many people. Not really. You're able to gain some information, but you won't find intimacy on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok. I want to read for you a passage of Scripture. It's a long passage, but I, I just want you to hear it. And it's interesting as I have gone on talking about this this topic today, many on YouTube have dropped off. They're really not interested in talking about these kinds of things. And you know what? That's okay. They have to face Jesus. And they have to decide what is it they really want. I'm going to be very straight with you. I want Jesus alone. And I want men and women who want Jesus alone. I want men and women who are willing to sell out to Jesus Christ, who are willing to ground the weapons of their warfare and rebellion against the Most High God. I want men and women who are willing to lay it all on the line. Listen as I as I read this scripture to you. Romans the 6th chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin you became slaves of righteousness. Now I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification or resulting in holiness. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in holiness. And the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That was Romans, the sixth chapter. Now, let's look honestly at this question. Are you walking in a compromised way with Jesus? What is the condition of your life before a holy God today? Are you walking in, in things you know are sin? Are you walking in things that you know you have been called by Jesus to leave behind? Are you still walking in rebellion against God? If you are, would you make a decision today to be washed by Jesus? Would you, would you consider today getting on your face before Almighty God and saying, I have sinned against you, Lord, and here's how I've been sinning against you. I've been lying. I've been cheating. I've been stealing. I've been fornicating. I've been filling my heart with wicked things. I've been angry and bitter and hostile. I've said things I should not have said. What is your condition before a holy God today? If Jesus came today, would he would he have his angels cast you into the the pit of hell? Or would he say, come, good and faithful servant, and enter into the joy of your salvation? Don't pretend. Make your calling and election sure. Know that you must decide what your eternal destiny is going to be. Your entire eons of future depend on the decision you make now. Either 
you will spend your eternity with Jesus and with his people, or you will spend your eternity with the devil in the pit fire of hell. Now, you can say, I don't believe you, Pastor. Well, it doesn't really matter if you believe me, because your believing something doesn't make it true or false. It is true because it has been revealed in the Word of God. The wages of sin are or is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. That's the truth. So if you live like the devil, you'll live with the devil. If you live like Jesus, you'll live with Jesus. And it's by the power of the blood of Jesus that we are made holy, that we are made sanctified, that we are brought into the presence of God. It's not by hard work. It's not by labor. It's not by white-knuckling it. It's by coming by faith and standing on the promises of God. So what is your life today? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for watching today or listening. I pray that next week our radio station will be up to full power once more and everyone will be able to hear. But I pray that if you're able to help us financially cover the cost of this month's radio, we're about halfway there and we're in the last week. Would you write to me? I thank Thomas and I thank many others of you who have so generously given to bring us to the halfway point, but now we need to finish it. You can go to nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online. And thank you, thank you, thank you. You can also write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again is National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Would you help me, please? I need your help. I'm trusting Jesus to move in your heart. To move in your heart to give. Thank you in advance for what you're doing. Let's pray. Lord, I lift up your name today, the name that is above all names. And I say, yes, Jesus, we will follow you. We will not bend with the wind. We will not lower ourselves into the pit of wickedness that is in this world today. We will rise above by the power of your blood. And we will say no to the devil and no to sin and no to unrighteousness. And we will leave those things that pollute our souls and take us into darkness. Lord, thank you. I praise and worship your mighty name, the name of Jesus. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.